So Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We honor you, Lord Jesus, for you are our Lord and Savior. You're the one who puts everything back together and makes us new in Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, good morning. Good to see all of you who are here. I'm Pastor Mike. If you're a guest with us, may the Lord bless you. If you have your Bible, find your place in the first book in our Bibles, Genesis chapter number 21. Genesis 21 is where we're going to be looking this morning. We're continuing to think about a very important subject together that I call family secrets, family matters. And we're taking the time to look at Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and some things in their families that didn't, didn't seem to be right. You would, think, <clears throat> you would think that these who are God's men would have everything in their lives perfect. You would think that all their children would do what is right. You'd think that everything would go well between them and their, uh, their wives. But we discover quickly that God's Word opens up to us the reality of the messiness of family life and the secrets of family life. Today we come to Genesis 21, which is a very emotional chapter in our Bibles. And sometimes in family life, things can be hard. We have in Genesis chapter 1 family blessings and sadly a family separation. All in the same chapter. We have a, a child born, and we have a teenage son and his mother sent away. There's, there's no way to explain and understand and wrap our minds around the importance, I think, of disobeying God and what it does in our lives. When we disobey God, you see, this is our commitment. We trust Jesus Christ by faith, my friends, and then we live and obey the Word of God. And so what we discover from Abraham that he and Sarah made a terrible decision. God said that he was going to give them a son miraculously through Sarah and through himself, but they took it in their own hands and had a child with Sarah's mistress. Her name was Hagar. And so Hagar and, and Abraham had their sexual relationships, and then husband and wife Ishmael came into the world, the son of the flesh. But the son of promise was not yet born. Nothing is more joyful in family life than laughter and celebration. We've all had times, hopefully in your experience this Christmas, you've had some good times of celebration. Nothing's more exciting than the birth of a new child, laughter, celebration, and joy. But there's nothing more painful than family division and separation, sometimes a lifelong separation. Many of us in this room know the experience of that in our families. We've lived with family blessing. We've also lived with family separation. The promised son, Isaac, is born, and the son of the flesh, Ishmael, is sent away. The gravity of these words are very important today for us, and I want to uh, try to make much of them today. And the best way will be for us to just follow through the text together, and I'll make some observations, and we'll seek to understand what God has for us. Now you found your place, Genesis 21, 
beginning in verse number one. I'm just going to read just a few select verses to show you the contrast in Genesis 21. Then the Lord took note of Sarah as he had said. Please notice that. He took note of Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did for Sarah as he had planned or promised. Verse 2, So Sarah conceived and bore a son to Abraham in his old age, at the appointed time of which God had spoken to him. Notice, at the appointed time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac, which means he laughs. Now we read verse 14. Some time has gone by. Some years have passed. So Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water, bottle of water for us, and gave them to Hagar, putting them on her shoulder, and gave her the boy, and sent her away. And she departed and wandered about in the wilderness of Beersheba. Heavenly Father, now bless the reading of your word. May the Holy Spirit be our teacher today. In Jesus' name, amen. The focal truth today is this. This is the truth I want to try to impress upon your minds and help us to consider from this very hard chapter and joyful chapter in Genesis 21. This is for you now in your own personal life and also in your families. As a husband, as a wife, as children in your family, or as parents, doing God's will produces joy. Always doing God's will brings the best in life. Even when we go through the troubles and difficulties of life day by day, doing the will of God, obeying the Word of God, doing God's will produces joy in our personal lives and in our family lives. But disobeying God's will produces lasting, and I could have said many times, lifelong pain. So we'll take our Bibles now and we'll just follow along and look at this story together. Easier than reading all the verses and then trying to come back. Number one, first of all, Abraham is struggling with God's will about a son. Perhaps you're in that same condition today. I ask you to turn to Genesis 17. In Genesis 17, God has spoken to Abraham, told him that he's making an agreement with him. He's going to bless the world through his seed. He has commanded that uh, Abraham have all of the male descendants circumcised and all those who are associated with him. That is the sign or the mark of, of Abraham's promise and God's agreement. And so Abraham does so. We read in verse number 18, And Abraham said to God, he's still praying, he's struggling with the will of God about this boy who's been born to him, uh, Ishmael, and he says, O oh God, that Ishmael might live before you. What he means by that is that Ishmael might be the promised one. O oh God, that Ishmael might be the promised one. God says, No, but Sarah, your wife, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. As for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I will bless him and I will make him fruitful and will multiply his 
and will multiply him exceedingly, and he shall become the father of twelve princes, and I will make him a great nation. Abraham struggles with the will of God in his life. Have you ever done that in your personal life? You believe that this is what God ought to do, and you, you, took, uh, you took means into your own hands, and you said, look, this is what I'm going to do. And you sought to do something and then you gave it to God and said, well, now, Lord, maybe you can bless this and use this. Maybe this will do. Maybe this is your will. You didn't pray about it. You went on into it yourself. You had your own selfish ambitions and desires. And so you sought to do the will of God in your own way, in your own terms, under your own circumstances. Well, we discover here that the promises of God help us do the will of God. The promises of God help us do the will of God. And so here we start seeing these promises. Notice again, Abraham says, oh, just take Ishmael. Genesis 17. Oh, just take Ishmael. But you see, God says, no, that's not my plan. That's not my will. And this is my promise. Sarah's going to have a son and Ishmael, your mess, your choice, I will bless and I will help. You see, God never forgets His promises that He makes. The Word of God is filled with promises about the first, the predicted promises about the first coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And now here we are in the middle, waiting by grace for the Lord Jesus, the predicted promises of the Lord Jesus' second coming to take place. Closer and closer every day, we wait on the Lord. We wait on the Lord. God never forgets His promises. What God has promised about the Lord Jesus' return will be done. God's promises about us being obedient. When we are obedient, there are promises associated with our obedience. God always fulfills His promises. And God is always merciful and graceful with us when we disobey. This is the joy of being saved by grace. And we see the hand of grace in this experience of Abraham and Sarah. So Abraham is struggling with God's will about a son. He wants, perhaps you're struggling about something in your family today and about the will of God related to your children, related to your marriage or something else. You're struggling. Before you take things into your own hands, be careful to follow God's will as it is revealed in God's word. Secondly, God blesses Abraham. Now we come to chapter 21, and there's a big celebration going on. God blesses and keeps His promise, and notice those wonderful words. We read them earlier. The Lord, verse 1, took note of Sarah as He had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as He had promised. So Sarah conceived and bore a son to Abraham at the appointed time of which God had spoken to him God's promises, listen friends, are always tied to time. Your timing is not God's timing for your family. You may be dealing with a child or, or some relationship in your broader family and you wish these things would be resolved or something would happen. God's time, you put it before God, it seems like you're having to do all these other things. Don't push it. Wait on God. Wait on Him, though it is hard. You learn to trust God in the waiting. And so you wait on God. And so God did what He promised here. And then we read that the child is born Isaac. He laughed. 
That's his name. Isaac went all the days of his life. He's, he laughed. Here comes he laughed. Here go, there goes he laughed. He laughed. Who's laughing here? Who's laughing here? You see, Sarah and Abraham both laughed when they heard that God was going to miraculously give them a child. And what did the angel say to them? This was back earlier in Genesis. Nothing is impossible for God. God's going to open your womb, Sarah, and you're going to, get, you're going to have a child. They laughed several times at the impossible promises of God. Are you listening? You say, it can't happen in my family. It can't be changed. People can't change. Yes, they can. You're saved, aren't you? Yes, people can, people can change. Things can come around. Circumstances can come around and be different. Well, we see here this picture of Sarah. There's, there's celebration, there's joy, and the family's laughing, but we miss it here. Sometimes we see there's laughter, there's happiness, and Sarah says in verse number six, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who, he, who, who uh, hears will laugh with me. Who would have said, verse 7, that uh, Sarah would nurse children, yet I have borne him a son in his old age. And so the child grows up. At eight days old, he's circumcised according to the commandment of God. And now at two, at two years old, generally in, among the Jewish people, he's weaned. And so the child grows and he's weaned. And Abraham makes a great feast on that day. Isaac was weaned. There's great celebration. These two years are filled with celebration. Now remember, Hagar and Ishmael are in the house also. All this celebration, all this laughter is going on. You see, we see this important truth of the joy of the Lord that comes from trusting in God's promises. You know, everything in your life today in your family may not be perfect. There may be storms, there may be troubles, but the joy of the Lord comes when you trust God in your family circumstances and with your family secrets. A joyful heart is good medicine and a joyful heart makes a cheerful face. So we come now to this change, celebration, laughter, great parties, all the wonderful things that go with a new child. The promised child has now been born. His name is He Laughs. They're laughing and then all of a sudden we read verse 9 and 10. Now Sarah saw the son of Hagar. By the way, his Ishmael's name is not mentioned in this chapter. Now Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had born to Abraham, mocking, we read. Therefore she said to Abraham, Drive out this maid and her son, for the son of this maid shall not be an heir with my son Isaac. We miss this in English, reading this in English, but in Hebrew, uh, it's an interesting thing. They're laughing, and this, this Hebrew word is used here, sahak, but also it's the word that Ishmael, it's also Ishmael, mocking. It's actually the same Hebrew word. It means to laugh with mockery. Paul seems to indicate that there was more harshness and abuse involved in it. So now we have this teenage boy, somewhere around the age of 13 or 14, um, however we want to count it, who's now mocking and mistreating this child of promise. The child of the flesh is mistreating the other. 
laughing. We have the family laughing joyfully over Isaac. Sarah's laughing. Abraham, all the family's laughing. But Ishmael was laughing with mockery over Isaac. He was, he was laughing and causing trouble with his younger brother. So Sarah demands something. It literally says, get rid of them. Get rid of them. And then we read these sad words. Here's what happens with disobedience. Here's what happens when disobedience comes to rest on you. Here's the consequence of disobedience. Are you ready for it? She says, drive the maid out. And the matter, verse 11, distressed Abraham greatly because of Ishmael. He's had, he's had 13, 14 years with this boy. We don't have all the backstory of all the things they might have done together. They were circumcised together. They now have this relationship. He's, Ishmael's experienced all that Abraham's family could be. His mother was there. They've been together. But now, now, the consequences of disobedience have made, have pushed forward a decision that has to be made. And this is one of the, if not saddest, verses in the Bible, separate of those that, re, that speak of the Lord's death and our sins, but what a sad verse. So Abraham rose early in the morning. You see, God spoke to him again in his distress. And the son of the maid I will make, verse 13, a nation, because he is your descendant. So Abraham rose early in the morning. This is a secret. Nobody, they didn't have a big going away party. There wasn't a big time of separation, a time to give them gifts. There were no animals. There were no slaves. There were no servants given to help them as they left. So Abraham, here's, here as the sun rises, here as the sun rises one day, all the consequences of Abraham's disobedience to God's will now must be lived out in pain. As the sun rises, Abraham stands with Hagar, his wife, and Ishmael, the son of his flesh. And he took bread and water, bread and water, and gave them to Hagar, putting them on her shoulder, and gave her the boy and sent her away sent her away the last time he would see his son, Ishmael, sent her away and she lived in the wilderness. She lived in the wilderness. She departed and wandered about in the wilderness. And we read later in 2120, God was with the lad and he gave and he grew and he lived in the wilderness and became an archer. So God assured Abraham not to be distressed but he had to do the job. He had to, you see, he had to deal with the consequences of his disobedience. I can't press this point home enough. So people will say, well, I have all these troubles in, in my family. You see, family trouble can generally be, except for the circumstantial things in life that just put pressure on us, when there's real family trouble that leads to these kinds of family separations, sin somewhere in the family. Someone's disobeyed God. 
Here it was Abraham and Sarah and Hagar, though she was disrespectful, she went back and submitted as she was told by God to do. She learned the lesson that God sees and hears in her troubles. But Ishmael thought he was the one and he treated his brother in an inappropriate way. God promises to take care of Abraham's disobedience by grace, and he does. You see, God who hears and sees now takes over to help bless these that are separated from the family. Look, separation. For 13, 14 years, Abraham had been married to Hagar and to Sarah. Practicing polygamy, I said it last week. I'm not saying it as a joke, I'm saying it as a fact. It's a breaking of the will of God. One man, one woman for life. Polygamy never works. Two wives don't make a happy life. They don't make a happy life. So here is Abraham who's had this relationship, whatever it looked like between Sarah and Hagar, as awkward as that would be, but now a husband is separating from his wife. That happens every day in America. That happens over and over. Some of you were children and your mother and father separated. You, never, you don't even quite know the story to this day and you might be a really old person. Mom and dad can't live together. Now they're separated. What happened? And children blame themselves. I must have done something. Now father is separated permanently from his son. You see, Abraham lived with the grief and regret and pain of removing Ishmael, the son of the flesh. You see, Abraham had to do it, not Sarah. Abraham had to own up to his own responsibility. You and I must hear the word of God. You reap what you sow. If you live a life of disobedience to God in your personal life and then in your family life, if you disobey God in the roles that you have, you reap what you sow. This is, the, this is the terror. This is the turmoil. This is the struggle that goes on in families every day. It is, as I've said, the consequence of disobedience. The pain of disobeying God leads to the, the painful consequences of disobedience. And disobeying God produces painful choices that leave lasting regret that cannot be erased. Abraham never saw Ishmael again. Now we do read in Genesis 25 that Ishmael and Isaac came together and buried their father. I don't know if they spoke between that earlier in those times, but there they came together. The two sons, the two sons, you see Isaac kept seeing his father until he went on with his life. And then Ishmael never saw him again until he buried his father. Maybe that's been the way it is in your life. Maybe that's the sadness you've experienced of not being able to see your mother or your father until they were dead. You see, God was a father to Ishmael, but Ishmael lost his father. God was a provider for Ishmael, but he lost his provider. He didn't send him out with anything. And yet the good news is that God sees, God sees and takes care of these dear ones who were left with nothing. Here's, a, here's a, now a mother, a single mother with her son. And when the water ran out, verse 15, they were under the bush and the son starts crying in the wilderness. There's nowhere to go, verse 17. 
And God calls to Hagar from heaven and says, What is the matter with you, Hagar? Do not fear, for God has heard the voice of the lad where he is. God hears us when we cry to him in our desperation. This may be where you are in your family. You think, how can anything be better? I don't know what to do. I'm overwhelmed. I've been put out. I've been left aside. I've been... God hears. Arise, lift up the lad. Hold him by the hand. I'll make a great nation of him. God continues to support them in their trouble by his promises. And then God opened her eyes. She saw a well of water, verse 19. And she filled it. And here's that great promise of grace. This is for some of you today. You say, I'm in a terrible place in our family. We don't know what to do. God was with the lad and he grew. God is with us in all of our circumstances. He sees us in our pain and in our distress. I know a man who loves the Lord and serves the Lord well. If you met him, you'd think that he was one of those great men who's always had it well, everything in his family in order, buttoned up, perfect. He loves the Lord Jesus and he's done everything in his family life to do things to honor Jesus and to obey God's will. But when he was nine years old, he went to school one day and as he was sitting in class as a nine-year-old boy, all of a sudden the teacher, a police officer comes in the room and the teacher and he are speaking and he comes back and, and uh, speaks to this friend of mine and uh, asks him to come out with him. So in, in, embarrassed in front of the entire class, shamed in front of the whole group, he has to go outside with a police officer. They take him to the foster facility and then the foster people tell him, your mother has said she's not going to have you anymore for a son. You have to stay with us. We have to find you a new family. What do you do? This is why I remind you of the the terrible consequences of disobeying God. But you see, my friend had some people God sent his way. And you know what they taught him? Trust Jesus. Follow Jesus. Live for the Lord. And God will make a way. For some of you today, that's what you need to hear. God was with the lad. So what do we remember today? Well, here's the way I would drive it home to you. Doing God's will is trusting God's promises in Christ. Look, uh, you say, I want my family to be a really good family. Okay, start by trusting Jesus. Well, my mom and dad don't trust the Lord. Well, then you trust the Lord. You live for God as a teenager, as a child. You live for God in your family. 
Well, I wish I'd have been in their family. Well, you're not in their family. You're in the family you're in. God knows where you are. He sees. He hears. He, know, he knows what goes on at the house. He knows what's being said when nobody else might hear it. Do the will of God and trust in the promises of Jesus Christ. Secondly, do God's will in your role in the family. Look, been doing this a long time. Husbands, do what, the God, do what the Bible says for you to do. Do the will of God in your role as a husband to your wife, regardless of what your wife is acting like. Wives, submit to your husbands in obedience to the will of God. Do the will of God. Submit to your husband as unto Jesus Christ, regardless of what a rascal your husband may be. You said I do, both of you, and now you are connected and joined to that person. It's not as easy as the world makes it. Call, uh, you know, call your lawyer and just write up a paper and you're done. No, it's not that easy. Once you're joined together, let nothing separate you. Children, obey your parents. Well, you don't know how, no, I don't want to hear about that. I don't want to hear you say that. Nobody wants to hear you say how mean your parents are. Children, obey your parents. God sees what you're going through. Obey your parents. Do this because this is what God's Word requires. Obey your parents. Obey your parents when it's easy. Obey your parents when it's hard. Obey your parents when they're helpful. And obey your parents when they're not helpful. This is what Christians do. And bring up your children. Bring up your children according to the will of God and teach them how to obey God. Let me tell you something, friends. Your children need to see mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, and all the family obeying God. Your children need to see the adults in the family obey God. And when we do that, God makes a change. When you disobey God... When you disobey God in your family, it just leaves a ripple effect and it goes to the next generation and to the next. You know, when the Word of God talks about visiting the sins of the fathers on the children, the worst thing you can do for your kids is disobey God as their parents and as a husband and wife because of the ripple effect your sin will have on your children. So today we hear clearly this important truth that we must understand that doing the will of God produces joy. Disobeying God's will will produce lasting pain. You see, no matter how many times Abraham prayed for God to change his mind, the will of God was settled. He had broken and violated the will of God, so therefore he paid the terrible, horrible consequences which impacted other people, the terrible consequences of disobedience. Then the Lord took note of Sarah as He had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as He had promised. So Sarah conceived and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the appropriate time of which God had spoken to him. Some of you are praying today for something in your family. Well, wait on God. His timing is perfect. 
He knows what's happening. He has, a, he has a desire to save all who will call upon Him. The love of God and the blessing of God is now on all of us. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Look, you can be blessed even if you come from a family never being blessed when you come to know Jesus Christ. That's what we learn today from this terrible time of family separation. To the praise of the glory of His grace, the Lord Jesus is near to the door, so we're waiting as a church. We're waiting and we're living in the will of God. We're living in our families to do the will of God. Husbands seeking all that with all of their ability and the help of the Holy Spirit to be the men they ought to be and wives to be the wives they ought to be and mothers and fathers so that we might bring up, gener one generation may tell another generation of the glories of God. You know how you do it? Not with your mouth, but with what you do.